sleeping at night and then you wake up and the grim reaper is there like old style big hood maybe there's a skull face in there big scythe stay very still would you be scared yeah wouldn't you yes but also i would be very excited because then like that opens up so much like if the grim reaper is real the afterlife is real right and if the afterlife is real as much of a dick i am on the show i'm pretty nice in the real world i did good stuff so then i get to go to heaven and i was never a big like heaven person but now if i know it's real that sounds pretty sweet and i'm on my way there you think you're going to heaven if there's a hell and a heaven yeah i'm going to heaven you're not sure if you are no you're going to heaven okay what'd you do nothing but like that's the problem you didn't do anything yeah Welcome back to I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast where we talk about things we like and argue with the ones we love. Oh, is that what we're going to do? Apparently. Let's argue. I'm ready Arr, for it. I'm so mad. Yeah. I'm going to get you. You're going to get me? Yeah. What are you going to get me? I like some lasagna. Oh, okay. I'm into that. I'm here with my host, Indy Randawa. I'm your host. That's right. I'm Indy Randawa. <laughs> your host. And I'm Samantha Hees, the other host. You're my host? Yeah. All right. <laughs> what? You seem so sad about that. I guess that's okay. And uh, every week we bring you a movie that then we talk about. But not every week. But not every Every other week. This was uh, not our best intro. We were no. a little all over the place, but we're here. We watched a movie and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we are. So this week we watched Always Be My Maybe, the 2019 Netflix original. Um, Indy, the classic question. I loved this. Did you? I don't think I can say I loved it because I think that's like the best movie. Mm-hmm. What I can say is, although this may be a somewhat formulaic romantic comedy, I think it's the best romantic comedy I've seen in about five years. I'd agree. Probably since, like, The Big Sick and they came together. I haven't seen another one. The Big Sick was really good. I forgot about that one. That was good. That was good. I and, cried. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people did. <laughs> and they came together is more like a play on romantic comedies than a romantic comedy. Yeah. We should watch that. You've never seen it, have no, you? No, mm. I don't know what you're talking about. It's very good. But yeah, um, Always Be My Maybe is a very good romantic comedy. It's definitely one that goes through and checks the boxes of this is romantic. This is what a romantic comedy is, mm-hmm. but it checks all the right boxes. It does, and it does it quite well. And it's not like super cliche, unless it like plays to the theme, right? Like he's like a musician who never went to college. That's kind of cliche, and like she's like a very successful woman, and that's kind of like part of the romantic comedy like cliche. And but it works out so well in the end, and I really enjoy the the way that they like traveled through all of that. Yeah, there's a lot of things that will be very familiar, and of course, like watching the movie, I knew exactly what was going to happen at the end. Of course, but I was happy. Yeah, that it did. I didn't pick this movie because I thought it would have a huge twist. I picked it because it's a very formulaic romantic comedy, but they do it in kind of an interesting way, and it's very fun to watch. What makes it better than your average romantic comedy to you? Um, I think that it doesn't take itself too seriously. 
Like, you can tell, like, with the addition of Keanu Reeves being an asshole and, like, some of the, like, funny lines um, and some of the little things that they put in, like, um, her dad being very, like, stereotypical and, like, or his dad, sorry, um, his dad was very stereotypical and, like, how much money do you have? And I thought those moments were very funny and they didn't try to make it really, like, complimentary to all of the actors i thought it was very funny that they kind of made fun of themselves oh there's a, a lot of self-deprecating yeah humor, right? like ali wong is very good at that and I, I think really that really like through. ali wong yeah. <laughs> um but i really liked those moments where you're like they're totally making fun of the fact that they're making like an all asian rom-com and it's it's fun and it it kind of like lightens the mood and I think that um, it comes through really well. Really, I didn't feel like there was a lot of those moments. Like I think the only other movie we've had in recent years was Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. which does point out the fact that these people are Asian and it's a big part. It's a part of the story. Mm-hmm. It's in the title. That's what it's going to be. Exactly. And there's there's nothing better or worse about that. But that's what that movie is. I felt that this movie didn't do that so much. It of didn't course, it do com- it as much. Of course, it comes through in, like, if they're going to talk about cooking, they're going to talk about their culture, things yeah. like that. But it didn't seem one that was constantly telling you, like, hey, look, Asian's on the screen. Cool, huh? Mm-hmm. I think we're slowly getting into that second step now. Finally, we had some representation. <laughs> yes. Maybe eventually we'll be able to get to the point where there's representation where we're allowed to have Asians being leads and the main point of the story isn't that they are Asian. Yes. It's not an immigrant story. It's not a story about them overcoming hardships that they faced because of it. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, they just, that's what they are. And it's a part of it, but it's no more a part of their character than any white character or a black character or anything else. That's just who they are. And it didn't seem like it focused on it a lot. So I, I think it's a it's a good step. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. I think that's what I was kind of getting at. But you're much more eloquent than I am. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> um, did you have a favorite part of the movie? Are we talking about like things that happened in the movie, or why this movie worked for me? Um, favorite thing that happened in the movie. If you're gonna go one scene, we're both gonna talk about the same thing, and that's the Keanu Reeves dinner sequence yes it was fantastic so i've had a crush on keanu reeves since i was probably like 15 which is common but here's what i want to tell our audience (laughs) is that samantha thinks that she was somehow outcasted and um (laughs) and people didn't take her seriously no i was because she was so out there and crazy that she liked keanu reeves and in her mind this is not a common thing. She no. thinks like, oh, I'm one of the only people in the world. So that I stopped Keanu telling Reeves. people that I liked Keanu Reeves because <laughs> I had friends who were like, ew, Keanu Reeves, he's so old. Ew, uh, he's not cute. <laughs> and this was in like Matrix time. This yes. is it now. Yes. This, your friends are the crazy ones. Yes, you're right. I realize that If you now. go to tell anyone, male or female... And you ask them straight or gay or whatever, you're like, hey, what do you think about Keanu Reeves? They're all going to say, oh, yeah, he's very attractive. That's not going to be a much of a debate, I think. <laughs> I don't think you're in the minority for having a crush on Keanu Reeves. I still have a huge crush on Keanu Beyond Reeves. Beyond being, like, super attractive, he's also just, like, the greatest guy. He's awesome. Okay, well, I will get over that 
now because <laughs> I understand that other people like Keanu Reeves too. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a monopoly on liking Keanu Reeves. No, I just had shitty friends, I think. But then you still hadn't seen like Point Break and Bill and Ted. Yeah, because and I like was that. like embarrassed to like Keanu Reeves for a couple like That's for so a while. Crazy. I like had multiple He's friends. like one of the biggest movie stars in the world. So you know of the how, last thirty years. You know how you like go out for drinks with your friends and you're like, Who's your celebrity crush? And mine has been Keanu Reeves since I was very young. And I think hearing multiple people be like, Ew, Keanu Reeves, he's old. Like made me embarrassed and then I kind of stopped watching Keanu Reeves stuff because So in like the year two thousand, who was a young like DiCaprio? Is that yeah better? Keanu Reeves is better looking than oh, DiCaprio. Hundred percent. Keanu Reeves is like awesome. And I I I regret it now not watching all of this <laughs> stuff because I feel like I like Stepped away from the Keanu Reeves love because is, my friends thought it wasn't cool. This is remarkable to me that you liked Keanu Reeves so much, but you felt so ostracized I for did. liking the, one of the most popular people in the world that you wouldn't watch his movies. That's, that's I just so felt bizarre. like I couldn't watch his movies. Because without I'd judgment. Be, yes, without <laughs> judgment. So we're going to do a John Wick marathon and we're going to talk about it on a special You episode. haven't seen the John Wick movies. None of them. That's that's crazy to me. What always be my maybe does to romantic comedies, John Wick does for action. Seriously? No. John Wick <laughs> does it more because I was going to say, like, you follow the same beats, but you can kind of go up to the next level and make something new. That's what John Wick does for action movies. Oh. I don't think always be my maybe quite does that. It doesn't bring a whole lot of new things to it Mm. it is a more of a fresh perspective and it has great comedic writers and actors that's where it shines but i don't think it brings anything terribly revolutionary to the romantic comedy i'd agree with you but i also think that this cast just makes it so fresh but back to our favorite scene with keanu so he plays this ridiculous version of himself that's so pretentious. He plays like the opposite and of himself. Hilarious. And what I really loved is you don't get to see Keanu Reeves do a lot of heavy lifting when it comes to acting. He's kind of specialized in being a blank slate character for a mm. lot of it. For when he's in an action movie, you see him and he doesn't have particularly strong characteristics either way. And you right. can kind of see yourself in that role. And that's what he's good for. I think people maybe underestimate his acting abilities because he hasn't had to do much. And yeah. the last times he did have to do some things, he wasn't great. Like if you go back all the way to the the Dracula movie or Much Ado About Nothing, he was pretty terrible. He's just not a Shakespeare person or like a classics. No, you shouldn't try to get him to do a British accent. No. Yeah, that's not Keanu Reeves. But what we've learned is he has some great comedic instincts. He does. And I feel like I like really enjoyed him in Something's Gotta Give. Did you watch that? It's got Diane Keaton. And Jack Nicholson? Yeah. I think I did, but I don't remember. Oh, I've watched that movie multiple times and I still love it. So that's your go-to Keanu Reeves. You haven't seen John Wick. No, that was like one of the last Keanu Reeves movies I've seen. So strange. (laughs) 
<laughs> You've at least seen like the Matrix movies. I've, oh, right? I've seen the Matrix movies. Okay. My family owns the Matrix movies on DVD. Brag. <laughs> My family owns the Matrix movies on DVD. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be a brag. I just <laughs> I know it's the worst brag ever. <laughs> My stepdad used one of the Matrix scenes to show off his sound system every single time anyone came over. Oh, is it the gunfight with all the columns? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good sound. Shout out to Eric. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still remember that. <laughs> no big deal, but my family owns Lion King on VHS. So That's impressive. Because well, Lion King on VHS and Matrix on DVD, I think, were the two best-selling all-time things of those two platforms. Really? I think so. They're up there for sure. Okay. Matrix was like the DVD. It was that perfect DVD time. Right. Right. Where, like effects and sound and everything were really and people like, were buying things yeah. they weren't streaming right yeah exactly so my favorite thing about that scene was that he was wearing the headphones and he's listening to the mooing sounds and he's, oh, no, the deer he, he's like cutting up his his like venison s- venison and he's putting it in his mouth and then he starts crying <laughs> yeah sobbing while eating his venison yeah, that probably was the best <laughs> that was like honestly one of my favorite scenes and the first time i saw it i like don't even think i laughed i was just so shocked and then like excited about it because it was so funny and i was just like that is perfect but like he's so serious and he's so like in the zone in this character he's being and then all of a sudden he just like breaks down and cries with his headphones on and it was perfect i think that might have been my favorite moment of his or when he says that he's wearing glasses with no lenses for a role that was really good it's like he was playing his own like opposite because Keanu Reeves is known, I think, from like what I've read about him, as being a very down-to-earth, very charitable, very like normal person. And he's very famous and he's very like, you know, good at what he does now. And I think that he was playing such an opposite character to himself that like it was really fun to see that because he's known for not being that person. Yeah, and just getting to see him play something so out of what we usually see from him was was a lot of fun there's that one bit or i think it's just the delivery of his line i think he's saying actually to ellie wong's character when she says like what's wrong with you and he just goes what's wrong with you and there's like this little shadow boxing karate move thing (laughs) yeah he's he's really funny in this maybe that'll be his next big move is just being someone who does funny cameos in movies Maybe. Because Charlie Sheen used to be the guy for that, and then he became a crazy person. Now I think John Hamm. John Hamm does my favorite comedic cameos these days. Hmm. I like... Keanu will be next. I like John Hamm. He's doing all the skip the dishes ads right now, I think. Yeah. And he plays like an idiot. He's playing himself, but he's like a complete idiot, which is And he's playing like a famous person who has an assistant who like doesn't care. Yeah. And I've heard good things about John Hamm. Like, he seems like a real good he guy. He seems like a really good guy. Like, obviously, I don't know a whole bunch about him, but it he seems like he's playing like Keanu does in this movie. Right. And I think I want to see Keanu Reeves do Skip the Dishes ads. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be hilarious. So that was your favorite sequence. What's your least favorite bit? I think anything with Ali Wong's first, like, fiancé. Oh. He seemed so hard to like. And I thought it was maybe just the first time that I watched it. I didn't watch those scenes as like closely or whatever. But I um 
I found him very unlikable. And I think that, um, I think that that's just like how he is in the movie. And I, I found it very hard to watch those scenes the second time. And I just really didn't like him. Well, I think that gets into what all romantic comedies do is they'll have a couple and then they have to break up, but Mm -hmm. you can't make it be like even amicable or have any gray area to it. It has to be that the one person is bad. They did something very wrong. So then Mm -hmm. we can cheer for the new person to come in and and take over. I didn't mind that because that was um, Daniel Day Kim, who's a super heartthrob in his own right, playing. He's some sort of celebrity chef. Is in he? it as well. No, in the movie. Oh, in the movie. You know, he's a um he's like a promoter. Oh, okay. I he, thought he was a chef as well. He um is the one who is trying to promote and expand um so he's Ali a, Wong's like brand. He's a restaurateur. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, I uh He's the money guy. <laughs> right. What I did like is so there's been a few movies I've seen with Asian female leads who will end up with an Asian male lead. Not mm-hmm. very often, but there are a couple of them out there. But they would always have to have the more um, macho, sometimes a jerk, more masculine person be a white guy first. Right. And then they'd have to go with like the sensitive, loving Asian at the end. And this movie was amazing because you get to see the macho jackass, Daniel Day Kim, being played by a Korean guy. Mm-hmm. And then also the sweet, lovable, schlubby guy being played by a Randall Park, another Korean guy. And then even uh, Keanu is of a bit of Asian descent, too. He's like Hawaiian and He's Chinese. He's Hawaiian and, and Chinese, yeah. So it's not that the Asian male lead is always just like a sweetheart kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You get to see an Asian asshole, too. Which is nice. It was like when we saw Spider-Man and I was like, wow, a brown bully. We finally made it in Hollywood, guys. (laughs) No, I I agree with that. I think I liked that um, there were many representations of culture in this movie. And I think that um, like the best friend, um, I'm not sure what her ethnicity is. So it was really nice to see um, people who weren't white, like not the white best friend backing up like a someone um who isn't white as the main character it was really nice to see a really awesome kind of diversity in this cast yeah and i guess we should talk about that because that is going to be one of the first things a lot of people notice about Mm -hmm. this and it's it's remarkable because it's still so rare it is still so rare and that was one of the things that i really loved immediately about this was that it wasn't you know like in romantic comedies a lot of the time if the main character is someone who isn't white the like supporting characters will all be white right. and it, and that's like they're like oh look at how special we are because we have we have a, you know a black main character or like an asian main character and it it makes it very like kind of almost um like a joke mm-hmm. And so it's really nice to see that they didn't just make everyone Asian or everyone, you know, black in this sense. And it's, it's like, really nice to see that they mixed it up and they didn't make it really obvious that they were mixing it up. Wait, mixed it up? What do you mean by mixed it up? I mean, like, not a whole white supporting cast. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, they, they used a lot of different ethnicities and it really worked well. 
I like for one of the few times that there's differentiation between Asian people, because mm-hmm. even on his show, Randall Park is is Korean but mm-hmm. plays a Chinese man, and in this one they're actually letting people be their yeah. own thing. Although, He's... isn't his dad who the guy who played his dad in this? Isn't he Japanese? His dad, I think, was Shredder. Wasn't his dad Shredder in the like 1990 Ninja Turtles movie? It looked. It reminds me of Shredder. But if I'm wrong, then I sound very racist. I'm looking. But either way, uh, Ellie... He was Shredder. Yeah. <laughs> was Shredder. You are correct. Good. But yeah, Randall Park actually gets to play Korean. Yeah. And I think Daniel Day Kim, I don't know if they talk about it or not, but I think he gets to play a Korean person because he's from, I was going to say my hometown, but it's not my hometown, my adopted hometown of Busan. And Ellie Wong's character, I assume, is Vietnamese? I think they so, because him, in the but... beginning, they say, like, his, um, Randall Park's mom says, are you sure you're not Korean? Because you're, like... Sh-. But that means she could be anything else. Exactly. So. But her last name's Tran, so that's yeah. 90% chance she's Vietnamese. Yeah. So, but I, I enjoyed seeing that differentiation, too. Yeah. It's not just... All Asians are the same. Exactly. Like they you made a point. See... They made that comment and they it was very nice to see that they were trying to like separate cultures. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of little jokes too. Did you catch the name of their band? Is Hello Peril? Yes, I, I did hear that, but I didn't understand what it meant. Oh, it's a play on the Yellow Peril. Do you know about that? No. So that was a term used for a very long time about how these all of those yellow people are going to come over and change our world. It was just about, it was an anti-Asian sentiment that it was like that the Western world was in danger of losing its culture because all all of the Asians were going to come over. They called it the yellow peril. Oh, I like. And so then the band was hello peril. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, It was also kind of a loose movement too. Like people tried to... um, to like reappropriate that name to uh, to co-opt it into something good and not quite to the extent of the Black Panthers because there wasn't a big organization behind that. But you'll often see signs. I can't remember when the first one was about Yellow Peril supporting Black Power. And um, at rallies that you'll go to today, you'll often see groups of Asian people holding up that sign too. There's a tiger that's like a logo for it and their band had a little kind of cartoon tiger as well. Oh! see i didn't i missed all of that there's so many little things like that also the shirt that he's wearing when he's not dressed fancy enough is um i don't know if you can say internet celebrity because i hate that term but like a a guy like that called the i think he's just called the angry asian man something like that but he is wearing that shirt that says stay angry or something okay something to that effect right that's what that was playing on so there's lots of little little things like that that's awesome i like that they like snuck those things in I think what I liked most about the movie, if I could like generalize, is that it's it rings more true in a lot of ways. Like, of course, this is a not realistic take on the world. This mm-hmm. isn't how the world actually works. It's a romantic comedy, and it knows that, and it's not trying to step outside it's of like that. It's like the shiniest, roundest part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. But there is... I don't want to use the word authenticity because I hate that because of how people use it so often. Because you just go to any restaurant and they're like, oh, yeah, this is really authentic. And you're like, really, Barbara? When was the last time you were in Peru? How do you know this is authentic? And they're like, well, um, there's a flag on the restaurant, so I know it's authentic. And that's even something that they talk about in the 
in the movie itself but it is authentic in the sense of like koreans playing koreans and asians not just being one thing there's all these little moments that are really true to life more true to life than you would see in in most other romantic comedies and i think that comes from the two leads are the writers of the movie too and the producers yeah so they had a lot of say in what happened in this movie and it seems very clear that they're adding a lot of their own true actual experiences into this Mm -hmm. and there's all these little touches that people who are of this culture might like appreciate a lot more like the cooking of the spam if you're from vietnam or korea you know there's going to be a lot of spam being served to you You said that's such a korean dinner (laughs) as we love when we were first watching it (laughs) when she was cooking the kimchi jjigae or the, um, the scrubby towel I think I commented to you about like all oh, those oh, towels. Oh, during so much. the like the massage. Yeah, you go to like I don't know what the word would be here for Jim Jobang, like a, a bathhouse kind or of thing. Spa. Yeah, spa. Maybe it's, it's a like spa. a spa. Like you go and you have exfoliation and like full body treatments and stuff like that. Yeah. So because I used to live in Korea for many years and I've gone to those and that scrubby towel that Randall Park and his dad got it. It's so painful. It I don't know how people so painful. I have one of the cloths and you sh- the women there they just like scrub you so hard. It's like they're cleaning the floors and I had to like just stop. It's like no, I'm. I'm good, thank you. So it's summer right now here, and I can't even imagine having that on my skin right now because I feel like when you get sun during the day and then you come home and shower at night, like, your skin's tender. It would have to be, like, February for me to be able to stand that because my skin is just, like, you're in the sun, you're, like, you know, you're sunburn or whatever. I can't even imagine doing that multiple times a year. The people there told me that Koreans have stronger skin. Oh. I don't think that is the case, but they they do love those, those scrubby showers. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> and also they take off their shoes inside, which is a thing that I have so much to say about. First of all, Americans, what's going on? Do you literally wear shoes into your home? Like 24-7 until you go to bed? Like this, there's no thing that we've talked about on this podcast that I want to hear from people more than this. Yes. Do you have special shoes that you change into when you come home? Or do you just wear your shoes right from the street into the house? Because you know there's like dog poop and stuff outside, right? That's why you wear the shoes. So you don't step. Yeah. But inside, dog poop free. Ideally. I don't know how you live your life. Maybe your dogs poop inside. I don't know. But like today, I stepped in a big thing of mud without even like noticing. And then I felt my shoe feel weird. And I had a big thing of mud on my shoe. So like, do you just wear that into the house? I assume they would like wipe off that kind of shoe. But if you're just like walking around on a dry street, I think a lot of people just wear them in the house. That's so strange. How often do you have to wash your floors then? Right? What if you have carpet? They Maybe they wear it only on the hard surfaces, but take it off for the carpet? Okay. Write to us. Let us know. Please. Are there different shoes you change into inside? Do you take them off for certain rooms? Because I keep seeing people wearing them on like on the couch. Yes. Which is gross. So please tell us where you wear your shoes. Because I remember being in Korea and going to people's homes and they would say like, oh, here we have to take off our shoes. And I was like, who doesn't take off their shoes? But they assumed all foreigners were like Americans. Right. Because that's what you see. I didn't know that that was a real thing. I, wa- I thought it was just a thing they do on TV shows. Because yeah. like, oh, you wanted to make look 
make it look like their outfit all matches so you keep them in their show in their shoes so they look like yeah put together i did not imagine that people actually wore shoes indoors Okay, you can respond to us on Twitter and Instagram at ILTYS and the number two. There you go. And you can let us know if you wear your shoes indoors. And why? And what makes Stop you... Stop doing it. What makes you take your shoes off? Like, what is the deciding factor that makes you take your I shoes thought, off? I thought you were going to say, and what makes you think that's okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not quite that sassy today. I, I'm pretty aggressive about it. You should not wear your shoes inside. No, you shouldn't. If you have... Unless you have, like, dirt floors or concrete floors or something. I've stayed in some places where I didn't have, like, a proper floor. Exactly. Like, if, you're, if your room is already full of dirt, then I get it. But, like... But you know why your room's full of dirt? Because you, you wear your, your freaking shoes in the house. All right. Well, we spent 30 minutes on Keanu Reeves, 20 on <laughs> shoes inside. We can get back to the movie, I guess. Excellent. Okay. I guess I was just talking about how there's moments of truth in this movie more yes. so than in other ones. So this relies a little bit on like that awkward humor. Yes. But it doesn't go into that like Larry David style of awkward where or like the office when it's just so awkward, it's painful and people just keep saying worse Mm -hmm. and worse things. This would be a very realistic representation of that, I found. Like someone would say one awkward thing and then the scene would end with the other person just being silent for three seconds. Exactly. And that is something you don't see on movies or TV shows very often. But just having someone look at somebody and kind of take it in and then the scene ends without them doing a funny quip that was hilarious one of the things one of the scenes that i loved for that was when they were like before and after having sex in his car and that was such a like awesome scene because it it felt very real it didn't feel hollywood you know it didn't feel like they were you know make like punching it up just for the laughs or for like the comedy of it um and i or like the romance right like i don't think that they tried to put any extra emotion or comedy into it and it was so real like it's awkward and it's funny and it's like funny because it's awkward and it's such a like human emotion that they portrayed in that scene yeah there was a lot of that that they would just let the reactions and emotions have some room to breathe it wasn't always okay on to the next funny bit or Mm -hmm. like now we have to play it for this angle because we're setting up the next thing they would let those feelings land and i think that's what why this is an especially Mm -hmm. good romantic comedy there were definitely some moments where i was like excited because you were laughing out loud oh i laughed a lot in this (laughs) This because the two of them were were very funny together they played off each other quite well but on their own and the supporting cast as well this movie is a little bit weirder than Uh most romantic comedies and where it started going it started kind of bordering on my sense of humor more than like any jennifer aniston reese witherspoon movie is going to do it was allowed to take some risks and be a little stranger Mm. And that was was very funny. They have some... I wish I had just written things down because we could just go on for a while saying, oh, remember when they said this? When they said this? Yeah. It's usually just one line and it's not a punchy one-liner. It's just something that's a little awkward or a funny observance 
or just able to encapsulate a an emotion in mm-hmm. the dating world that maybe people have, but they were able to put it up there in a in a unique and funny way. If so this movie not being of like Asian descent, it felt very relatable because it felt very real life. Mm-hmm. It this like the approach to dating and the approach to meeting someone that you knew and maybe loved when you were young, that's such a relatable feeling. And I think that that is one of the things that I really connected with in this movie was that like it was just the feelings were so real and not over like like they didn't push a whole bunch of comedy on it and they didn't push a whole bunch of like drama on it. It was just very true to life. I think in the times where it didn't, that was when it definitely shines. But mm-hmm. I would argue that in like the fourth, fifth act, it does have to go into those romantic comedy bits. And that's where it's definitely at its weakest. You mean the um, time when he buys the suit from like the suit store and goes and like kisses her on the red carpet? So even there, <laughs> they are able to make it a little bit... Of this movie style. Mm -hmm. Like, he goes to find this expensive suit, he can't afford it, has to go to another one, and then there's some jokes in that. And that bit is good, but yeah, they definitely do rely on those contrivances that we see so often. Like, the big speech that he has to do in public. Mm -hmm. It's a good scene, actually. It's a well-written speech. And we see that speech, the speech to win someone back, we've seen it in so many movies, And I think this is one of the better ones. I actually really like the writing in that scene, but it does not seem true to that character that he would do it at this big gala in front of everyone. It seems like that should have been on her doorstep, at her restaurant, something like that. That Mm -hmm. would have seemed more like those characters. True. I agree with that. I still really love that scene. I may have cried a little bit. In the speech? In the speech. It's a very good speech. It's very heartfelt. It's very, like you said, it's very of the characters. It's very, like, it feels like the movie. And I think that that is what really got me was that it felt so heartfelt. And I I just, like, that was one of the things that made me want to make you watch this movie. Because we know every romantic comedy has to do those same beats. There's of, a formula. She's with someone yeah. who's a jerk. And then they break up, and then the good guy that we're rooting for is going to sweep in. Then they have to have a big fight. Mm-hmm. And then he has to win her back. And it does all of those. But I just wonder if, because they had this new element of how they hadn't seen each other in so long, and then we have this whole divergence with her meeting Keanu Reeves and falling in love with him, if because of that, couldn't them just realizing they love each other... Couldn't that have been the big reconciliation? Because I hate how they every movie has to have the two of them fight. Mm-hmm. And it's always there. And one of my very favorite movies of all time is Roman Holiday. I don't want to give it away if anyone hasn't seen it. Just go watch it. <laughs> I don't care it. that it's so old. But Pause I, right now, go watch it, and come back. It's one of the best <laughs> movies ever made. But all I'll say is there's something that happens in that which very easily could have been a part where like, you did this. No, you did this. And they would fight about it. But that movie doesn't do it. It just realizes that what this movie has are two lovable leads who want to be together. And let's let that take the screen time instead of a contrived argument. And I really wish they could have done that with this because that whole breakup makeup thing 
was definitely my least favorite part. Mm. Although I do think that speech is very well done. I think that could have been employed in a much better way. Like if that had just been how he tells her that, yes, I felt this way the whole time too. I just didn't have the words to say it. I didn't have the confidence. And then, and then that whole argument from 15 years ago happened. So it seems like her going through those two other relationships and him trying to get his life kind of on track more, Mm -hmm. that could have been enough. Yeah. That argument didn't need to be there. It slows down the plot and it takes time away from the things that make this movie very good. Mm -hmm. It takes time away from the two of them being together. It takes time away from letting us see a little bit into each of their lives a little mm-hmm. more because we don't even get to see her cook or things like that right no. Which you'd think i want to see more of her life and where she's coming from so when we get this change if there is a change it means something more mm-hmm. but instead we have this argument which is pretty much just a misunderstanding or people being snapping and saying things they don't quite mean it didn't seem like this argument was really rooted in who they are because he's not a bad guy but he says like these bad things Mm -hmm. and then it makes you think like oh is he that great of a guy and then he has to of course make up for it all but i would just rather him be that good guy the whole way through and the same with her true i agree i agree i think they fell victim to kind of the formula yes definitely and i i like understand and i think that um Everything that they did in this movie that was very much them was amazing. And I understand that you have to do the rom-com formula and you have to have, like, things that aren't quite, you know, the perfect movie. And I think that if they had gotten rid of that, I agree with you. I think that that would have been way better. But I think that that is just how they present it to, like, the bigger audience, right? True, but... I think now we are getting to a point with a lot of genres that have remained stale. We've gotten to a point where people are doing very interesting things to revive them. I would have argued for a a very long time that horror movies, which I love, had become quite stale. And I think over the last five, maybe even ten years, of course there's always some little great ones, but we've started to see a resurgence in people who know their history and take that as a jumping off point rather than a place to just keep doing the same thing. Like there's all those A24 movies that are doing a lot of fun things. We have Mm -hmm. action movies. You have like that, it's not even new anymore, but that newer Mad Max that takes a very tried and true formula, but then takes that as a jumping off point. It doesn't just mimic it. And I feel like romantic comedies are not doing the same thing. They are just rehashing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And this would have been a great place for for something a little more new, a little more adventurous. Because you're already doing something against the mainstream in just who is cast in this. Right. Being directed by, I think she's Iranian-American, having Vietnamese and Korean leads. You're already taking a bit of a risk. Right. And it's it sucks that having non-white people is a risk in your movie but that is that is this the state of affairs that's it, what it is it does because that was one of the most charming parts right like you got to see a little bit of culture you got to see a little bit of like difference in growing up and that kind of thing and i i really enjoyed that part and i yeah. think it sucks that that's not like a marketable thing and i think we're starting to realize mm-hmm. that it is marketable because 
Well, I'm diverging too much. I was going to start talking about Tyler Perry and how if you only give people one thing, then they're going to watch that one thing and then it's going to look like they have terrible taste. But I'm just saying how black people deserve better movies than what Tyler Perry is giving them and they're starting to get them, but we need more. Um, What was I talking about in the first place? That this movie (laughs) could have been something more. Yes. And they could have strayed away from that formula a little more because I know we love that formula. And it's fine to use it, but there's there's more wiggle room than this movie is utilizing. Mm-hmm. I think their thought process was because we're taking these other risks that we have to be very formulaic in this one way so that it'll still feel familiar to people. Mm-hmm. I think that part of the reason that, like, I feel like, if I was making that decision, part of the reason that I would go safe would be because it's one of the first movies of its kind. I think that being presented to a larger audience like it was, I think that that is the reason why they would have chosen to like kind of draw it back a little bit. Yeah, and that's that's exactly Netflix, what I'm sure they did. Like, but that brings me back to like, I think I talked about this back when we we're talking about race stuff a lot about like the ideal minority and how Asian people are almost more accepted, but in a in a very different way because they're seen as like, oh, they're quiet and polite and they just do their thing. They're fine, but we don't have to deal with them. And this movie is kind of doing that right in that like, hey, we're just still going to play by your rules, but we're just going to get in here a little bit, too. And no, I know every movie can't revolutionize things, but I feel like you got to start somewhere. And I think they just missed some opportunities. And that's why I don't say I love this movie. I think it's a good romantic comedy. No, I accept that. I don't think it changes it as a genre, but I think that it pushes it forward, right? Like, I think it does its, it, I think it does its work. And I think it really helps. But I understand that there's a lot more work to be done in that sense. Yeah, it just seems that romantic comedies are the most formulaic genre. Mm -hmm. And I realize that sounds like, well, you're just someone who doesn't like romantic comedies. And what I'm saying is I'm just someone who expects more. Mm -hmm. Like if I expect more out of action movies and horror movies, why can't we expect more out of romantic comedies? Because then I would be saying much more often like, oh, yes, I do love romantic comedies because there's all these great ones. But we don't have that too much because... These tend to be very, very similar. Yeah. And I I understand, like, and I really appreciate all the points that you're bringing forward. And I, like, I totally agree with you in the fact that this is not the best it could be. I don't think it's, um, like, one of those movies that's going to break the genre. But I I found it really comforting. And I found it... True. I, I found, like... I didn't feel guilty about the things that you feel guilty about when you watch a romantic comedy. Right, because it's... Like the step back in feminism or like, you know, like there weren't those things. The gay best friend. Exactly. Or or a sassy black woman who's like a hairdresser. Exactly. The cultural step back or whatever. This was something that really like pushed forward in some of the really important ways. And it may not have done all the work, but I really appreciate it and I really love it for the fact that it did some of that work that isn't being done in other movies. No, and I don't want to sound like I'm degrading this movie because there's a lot of social step forwards Mm -hmm. and especially in representation, but there aren't a lot of screenwriting steps forward. True. That's all. That's that. And I, I, I think that's fair. 
I think that's totally fair. And I think that we can both like this movie for <laughs> different, like, angles. Because it gets to that point where he's ruined everything and then he's drunk and then he starts peeing on the amp. Mm-hmm. And that bit, I was like, "That's you're better than this. I feel like that was this too much. This movie is better than that. That was one of my least favorite parts, I think. Yeah. I think that was... The breakup stuff. The breakup is really every romantic watch. comedy is very painful for me yes. to watch. Because these characters who were supposed to love have to do something bad, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't. I, that whole sequence I didn't care for. I feel like they took it too far in that sequence. And maybe that's what they were aiming to do because they were trying to like, you know, push boundaries in other ways. But I think that Randall Park could have kept his like dignity a little bit more (laughs) that was that was such an out there scene that made everyone so uncomfortable maybe that's what he was going for but i think that there could have been a lot more you know like grace added to that scene what do you think is the fundamental difference between those characters like what is their their big argument in your mind i feel like it's part like that they have lived such different lives how so? How are their lives different? Like, they started out very similar. They went to the same high school. They were both awkward, kind of Asian kids. And I think that that was something that brought them together. And then Sasha becomes famous. And she is used to a certain, like, you know, lifestyle. And I don't think she realizes until she meets... um What's his name? Marcus. Marcus. Uh, I don't think she realizes until she meets Marcus how different her life has become and I think that um he really kind of does her a service by bringing her a little bit more back to earth but he also kind of adapts to her world and I think that that is one of the things that I love about this movie is that they both change for each other whereas in some romantic comedies you don't get that moment so all of the stuff you're saying, I definitely agree with. But I worry, how much of this am I putting on the movie after the fact as a screenwriter? Uh-huh. It seems like there is a definite diversion in how far from home they are. Uh-huh. And then that seems like that's the, really the crux of, of their dissonance. Uh-huh. Oh, I said crux and dissonance together. I can't help it. Cute. <laughs> so like... I tend to like things that are more subtle, and I like to connect the dots myself. But there are character bits that I would yourselves. Have... Yeah, because I have multiple personalities going on. Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> you like to connect those dots yourselves. I like to connect those dots myself. <laughs> but there's all sorts of character things that I wish had been highlighted more, or maybe they have been because what you're saying is kind of encapsulating what I had in my mind. But I wish. I wish they had maybe taken time away from the big argument to to put forth more about how um, Marcus it has like this kind of arrested development that after his mother passed away, he just stays where he was at that moment. So he's a um, like 17-year-old kid then mm-hmm. who smokes weed, wants to be in a band and lives with his parents. And that's who he is 15 years later. He right. stops at the moment that his mother dies. But... Do they really, like, do you feel like that comes through during the movie? Or is that an after-the-fact thing? And the same with Ali Wong's character, but the opposite. She has gone too far away from her upbringing. Mm -hmm. And because she had never felt really connected with her parents, 
And she's criticized by Marcus because of this, that she's making fancy food for white people. She's not authentic anymore. Right. And she dresses fancy and she doesn't appreciate like that cheap restaurant that he takes her to. Like you, we used to love this. And she's like, oh, I thought it was terrible. And then she realizes, no, wait, this was good. So it seems like their, their separation is that he stayed too close to home and hasn't changed at all. It hasn't grown. Mm-hmm. She completely forgot her home and moved on to newer things, but kind of forgot her roots, if that's... Right. That seems to be the point of the movie. Yeah. But I wonder if all of that I'm getting after the fact and making up those right. plot points, or if that was actually in there. I really enjoyed... Like One of the things that I really thought about after I watched this for the first time was how... Like, their characters, Marcus and Sasha, are on very, like, separate, like, opposite trajectories, right? Like, he's kind of staying the same. He doesn't continue growing as a person. And she gets as far away from her parents as she can. And he stays as close to his parents as he can. And I really enjoyed watching them teach each other how to grow. And I I loved that. That was, like, one of my favorite parts was watching them grow together and grow in kind of opposite directions toward each other at the end so we definitely see marcus going out of his comfort zone Mm -hmm. because he has uh he's he's moving across the country Mm -hmm. but before that even he moves out and is trying to improve himself that way and just just be independent again right or maybe not again for the first time really the turn with Ali Wong's character is a little different, though, because she does have that really great bit about how now she's going to open up this authentic Korean restaurant that Mm. from the recipe she had learned from Marcus's mother. And I really like that idea. But the fact that it comes at the end is she was already going to do that. So it wasn't dependent on. No, she changed her whole restaurant. Oh, I thought this was a new restaurant. I think the idea was that her San Francisco restaurant, that was the second restaurant. I think so, yeah. Um, I think that that restaurant was something that she had already planned. And I think she went to New York thinking about it after um, he kind of gives her that talking to and says, you're phony. You've like lost touch with what you want and what you like, what you grew up with. And what my mother taught you. And I think that she goes to New York thinking about that. And then that is what inspires that restaurant. That's kind of how I read it. Anyway. And that's good. And you're probably right. But if we're going to put such a a fine point on their argument Mm -hmm. to have the point where Marcus is peeing on amps and ruining everything. If we're going to go that far and over the top. If you're going to be a little more clear about something, I would have loved to have been this argument of um, of authenticity and what authenticity really is. Mm-hmm. And the idea that he says she's selling out or something like that and how she could still be being true to herself. Right. But it doesn't mean that you have to be like your parents. Maybe yeah. yourself is this new like American fusion version of, of the cooking. So... It's those ideas of authenticity, I think, are are more interesting than when it gets into those tropes. True. And that's such a good idea. And I just don't think it was fully fleshed out in the movie. I feel like that part was suffered because you had to get in the romantic comedy beats. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I agree with that. And I fully expect them to make another movie that is so, like, honest and, like, true to what you want. I think that because this was the first movie they'd ever written together and, like, you know, because it was such a gamble for Netflix, I think that they had to kind of compromise and cut corners on those certain things. But I, I want them to make another movie where they have, like, full license to to do what they want. Yeah, because I'm not nearly as familiar with Ali Wong. I really only know her as a stand-up, and she mm-hmm. did some writing for Fresh Off the Boat. Yes. Which um, the director of this is also the showrunner yes. of Fresh Off the Boat. Yeah. But Randall Park, he's someone whose career I followed a lot more closely over the years, and it's a shame because he like he's an older guy. He's not exactly <laughs> a young up-and-comer, but he's finally getting a chance to do his stuff, and it's it's really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why we... Sorry, I'm just going back a second now. So maybe that's why we don't get to see her cooking and doing the stuff in the kitchen. Because she's gotten so far away from cooking with Marcus's mother Mm -hmm. that now she's like like Daniel Day Kim. She's a restaurateur more than a chef. Yeah. And we don't get to see her cook again. She's running the kitchen. She's running the restaurant. She's like so far beyond it. Yeah. And then we get to see her cooking for herself Mm -hmm. after the argument, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of her returning to, I don't want to say roots, because it seems like every movie with non-white people, they always have to return to their roots, yeah. right? But her roots specifically being cooking, like she returns to that, to yeah. her restaurant roots, not just uh, culturally speaking. Mm-hmm. So maybe this movie does do those things a lot better than I give it credit for? Or am I just seeing all of these pieces and putting it together myself? That's what I'm not sure about. And I think a second viewing, maybe I'll get around to doing that to to see if there actually is a through line of how she has gone too far away and he has become stayed too close to home. Mm-hmm. I'd love to watch it again, knowing where it goes and see if that actually tracks throughout. I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts after a second viewing, for sure. Because I think that you see things that I don't just because you have like the background in film <laughs> and that kind of thing. And I think that um, things that I love are a lot more simplistic like, I feel like I like things on a different level than you do because you are educated in movies. I don't know if it's more simplistic. I think it's just a different way of coming at things. You are more um, maybe holistic and you're like, this movie made me feel good. And I look at the parts a little more. Mm-hmm. It's not like simple or complex or better. It's just, a, yeah, we look at things differently. Yeah. No, and I, I like that. I like that about this. That's Almost like we should have a podcast where we talk about our different viewpoints about should it. Should we start a podcast? <laughs> Let's do it. What are some other things you like about the movie? Do you have any other fun bits from this movie that you enjoyed? Um, I mean, I loved, like we talked about earlier, the Keanu bits. I loved The Best Friend. I loved some of the cameos. Like Casey Wilson came in and I was talking about Gooby Chairs. There were so many moments like that that were just like super funny. And they were just little cameos and they were kind of one-offs. And they carried the joke longer than a normal like rom-com would. Like where she's talking Gooby Chairs, Gooby Chairs, Gooby Chairs. And um, Sasha walks away from it. And Casey Wilson's like, I just wouldn't stop saying gooby chairs. And um, her assistant, Veronica, is like, yeah, 
you said it a lot. Like, it was funny. And then she continued. And then Veronica picked up the joke and was like, um, I just need to take a phone call. It's like, gooby chairs. Like, it was it was funny because they carried the joke throughout multiple scenes. And it was it was it worked well. I loved the stuff of them as kids. Mm-hmm. Those two child actors were fantastic. It was so much fun. It might be my favorite part. Well, the canon bit was pretty good too, but that opening with them as children was was amazing. I really liked their their interactions. Mm-hmm. Oh, another question for Americans, Bay Area people. What's with the toques? Or as you call them, beanies. Yeah. Everyone was wearing multiple toques in this movie. Isn't it like 30 degrees all the time in yeah. California? And by 30 degrees, we mean 85, Okay, for 90. That. Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it very warm? <laughs> yeah, like I can't wear a toque right now and it's probably 85 at our, like in our city. Yeah, maybe it's 85. It maybe was, it's 90. I don't even know. We've had a heat wave this week, and I don't know that I could have worn, like, more than a t-shirt this week. So I don't understand how you could put something on your head and still be okay to go out in public. Yeah, Ellie Wong was definitely channeling her inner Spinelli in a lot of scenes. <laughs> I think there was a bit where she might have been wearing a leather jacket and a toque like Spinelli. Yeah, basically. <laughs> maybe, Maybe she's, like... A big recess fan. Probably. A lot of people are. I hope so. I've known multiple people who've dressed as Spinelli for Halloween. (laughs) And I would like to be one of them. You should be Spinelli for Halloween. That's what we were saying. Remember, I said I wanted to be Spinelli, but then you got angry because you said you wanted to be Spinelli. No, I want to be an Ashley. But I don't know if people will be able to tell that you're an Ashley. That's why you should be Gretchen. Gretchen. Okay, I'll be Gretchen. I told you to be Vince and you got mad at me. No, I don't want to be Vince. You know, I'd rather be cute rather than spooky for Halloween. Vince is spooky. <laughs> Nothing from recess is spooky. I'd rather be <laughs> I'd rather be cute over anything for Halloween. That's true. One other bit that I really liked was them talking about D'Angelo and her singing D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. Because we have had the conversation more than once. About me being shocked that you didn't know who D'Angelo was. <laughs> and then saying like, well, then what did you make out to in high school? <laughs> Not D'Angelo. I think where it started was we were talking about if we were to strip what our songs would be. Right. And I said I wouldn't want it some upbeat stuff. I don't, I don't think I could do an upbeat striptease. <laughs> and I think it's more like a smooth sultry. So I said like, how does it feel by D'Angelo? And you're like, who's D'Angelo? And my response was, who's D'Angelo? <laughs> it's true. The face that he just made was exactly the face that he made to me when he said that. <laughs> and then the other person that you didn't know was Genuine. And then we were watching Parks and Rec, and there was a whole bit about someone being shocked that the other person didn't know who Genuine was. And in this one, everyone's expected to know D'Angelo. So I feel uh, redeemed in my love of late 90s, early 2000s R&B. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I could see after hearing D'Angelo how it would be a good like striptease song. Oh, you should see the video. (laughs) I know there's like a bunch of 35 year old women out there right now going like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They know. They remember that video. So I feel like we've talked about a lot of the things and I feel like we've agreed on quite a few things. So do you have any final thoughts about this movie? Definitely. I think I at the end was saying the things I didn't like about it, which might make it sound like I didn't like this movie. And that's definitely not the case. If you love romantic comedies, you're going to love this. 
if you're a little wishy-washy on romantic comedies, give this one a chance because mm-hmm. I think this could be your entry point because there are good romantic comedies out there. I do feel like there haven't been a lot since the mid-90s, but in the early 90s, we had some good ones. 60s and 70s, some good ones too. Mm-hmm. But maybe we'll see some sort of resurgence now because there's been a few in the last few years. But it's it's a good movie. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I think the downsides are when it falls into those typical tropes. But the best thing about it has to be the two leads because they're both funny together, very funny separately. And because they are writers of this, everything seems to be much more true to life than Mm -hmm. you would normally see in a romantic comedy because they are kind of bringing a lot of their own experiences to it and playing probably some sort of version of themselves that this romantic comedy seems much more grounded in reality. Of course, it's going to be a Hollywood romantic comedy where it gets away from that a lot. Yeah. But the characters seem true to life and true to themselves. Mm -hmm. And then there's just funny bits. There's a lot of funny lines, and I think it's definitely worth a watch. You're going to love Keanu Reeves in it. And watching this makes me realize how much all minorities are kind of in the same boat together. Because anytime I saw like a Chinese family growing up on TV, I related to it. I'm not Chinese, but just seeing something different Mm -hmm. felt so comfortable and at home to me. I think that's why I probably loved so many uh, Chinese movies of the 90s. Not Chinese from China, but we did have a small little pocket of movies with Chinese casts in the 90s, mm-hmm. which didn't last long. And it was all that one same director who I've now forgotten. But either way, when you got to see something like that, I thought like, sure, that's not my life, but it's closer. Mm-hmm. And I felt just being a little bit different than what I saw on all the sitcoms and romantic comedies felt more like my own life. And I think watching this now, I can really realize it. And as an older person, be like, oh, isn't that funny that although like Indian people and Chinese people, very different in the culture, but that maybe that first generation experience mm-hmm. is very shared. So there, it's great on that level. But really, it's just a fun movie. It's going to hit all the notes that you're used to, but you're going to be kind of happy that it does because mm-hmm. it's doing it well. Exactly. What do you think about this one? Um, so I don't have that first generation experience that you do, but it's really awesome to see a like a drastically different take on a rom-com. And I really enjoyed watching it. And I really felt like I was watching something special while I was watching this movie the first time. And that's part of the reason why I brought it forward to you. I thought you had already watched it, so I didn't bring it up for a long time because I th- I assumed because I know you love um, Rendell Park that you would have watched it. And so I was really surprised and kind of excited when you said that you hadn't watched it yet. And um, so I was really happy to bring this to you and I'm happy to hear kind of your thoughts on it. And I think that um, this movie hits all those classic rom-com notes, but also 
brings you a really different look into another culture. And um, I think that it's it's kind of an important movie, like, on a low-key level. Like, I feel like they weren't like, you're going to learn about these cultures when you watch this. It's, it was really nice to kind of be like, this is a rom-com and you should watch it. And then you end up coming out with a kind of a different perspective, which was awesome. And I, I like that they didn't kind of, like, beat you over the head with it. No, I think this is just representation. Mm -hmm. And if you have a problem with it, it's just that you have a problem with other people existing. Exactly. Exactly. There's no kind of sinister objective here. It's just like, hey, we exist. That's all we want is to be acknowledged (laughs) that we exist. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's a good movie. Yeah. Okay. Do you love it? I love it. So is it like a 9 out of 10 for you? It's like a 9.5 out of 10. Whoa. I really like this movie. And I cried. Did you cry? I don't know that I did. I I don't know if I like cried like in A League of Their Own, but I think that... Which part? I don't remember any one specific moment being very... I think it was during his speech. Oh, I could see that. That like, I think I got like, um, I don't know if cry is the right word, but I think I I definitely got emotional during that. And it was like, it was like a moment where I was just like, this is this is like awesome. This is the rom com moment, and I felt very emotional during it. And I, I think that that was like the moment for me. That makes sense. That speech was very good. Still would have liked to have seen it in her kitchen or something. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I definitely agree. But I think it it fit with her lifestyle at the moment. Yeah, and it's about him venturing out into that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I, I get why it was there, but yeah. I've said it all already. Okay. Well, if you love rom-coms and other cultures, you should watch. (laughs) And other cultures like San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, You should watch Always Be My Maybe, available on Netflix. And let us know what you think. I'm going to disagree and say that it's not an other cultures movie. Unless you're like from Japan, then it's a different culture. But (laughs) I don't think that that is even... uh, a part of it so much and no more than any other movie i think that people are just being who they are and because we get so little of different people being who they are we always think that like oh this is like a, a cultural movie mm-hmm. but i don't think that's the the case for this one i think it's just people being themselves like yeah she cooks vietnamese food because she's vietnamese but that's not who like, she is that doesn't define her it's a part of her mm-hmm. as is anyone's heritage being a part of them. absolutely i don't think it's a story device so much so i don't know if it's like a, a learn about other cultures movies so much uh, except if you're learning about the bay area which i haven't spent much time in san francisco but there were some funny bits like how his <laughs> asian girlfriend had dreadlocks and did like poetry readings yeah yeah and they all wear toques yeah, I don't understand the toques and the heavy clothing. It's so hot. I guess it's kind of, maybe it was winter. Maybe. It's kind of windy, I guess. Foggy, drizzly. Yeah, it's kind of like a Vancouver. A warm Vancouver. A warm Vancouver, yeah. Okay, well, we will see you next week when we learn about what Indy's going to make me watch. Yeah, I'm going to make you. I'm going to tie you down, put it on the TV, and leave. You're going to have to watch it. <laughs> Um, and we will uh, discuss the week after, and we will see you next week. <laughs>